It's the Super 90s Brothers! Watching John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him. It would never hurt him, never shout at him, or get drunk and hit him, or say it was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be there, and it would die to protect him. Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine, was the only one who measured up. In an insane world, it was the sanest choice. Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. Ow! Where we do hazy memory riffs of the most magnificent decade ever. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today we're talking about Terminator 2. Ow! Really the greatest action movie of all time, unlike the last action hero. Ow! I'm I'm excited for this one, Adam. I'm very excited yeah, me, for it. Me too. This is this is part two of of two of Arnold August on here on Super 90s Bros. And uh, the the tension in the podcast air is palpitating. It is the tension is. I, I feel like a little John Connor in a mall getting you know chased by two Terminators. And I feel like your your ugly redheaded friend with the mullet from Salute Your Shorts, who's just there <laughs> to play arcade games. Yeah, I feel like that I feel like that too when I see you when I look at you, uh, Brennan. We recently got a fan email. Um, Andrew Smith, yeah, reached out to us. So Andrew Smith, he's a kick-ass, good-looking dude that probably gets lots of you know chicks, you know, or chicks, whatever yeah, he's or, into, or guys, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I didn't want to assume, but you know, whatever he's into, I'm sure exactly. he gets a ton of it. Um, Andrew really liked the Space Jam and told us that our Tom sounded like Sebastian Bach. And he asked us if we might consider doing a Happy Gilmore podcast. What do you think, Brennan? A hundred percent. I Happy Gilmore is probably my uh, favorite Adam Sandler movie of the 90s. Um, it's not my favorite Adam Sandler movie. It's like, I love golf. Happy Gilmore might be why. I mean, Tiger Woods is a big reason why, but like Happy Gilmore is like tier two. Like, What's the next major golf event, Brennan? It's going on right now, actually. It's the... Like, the, this weekend it's this well this weekend and next weekend is like the the tour championship like it's like it's like now the now the pga tour does this thing where they go from like they do one tournament that's 150 golfers to go to 70 golfers in the second tournament and then they even go down further into the turn, tournament champion it's like 30 so you go it's like a um a tournament of death you know Okay, Tournament of Death. I like it. <laughs> well, anyway, when the Tournament of Death is over, maybe we will uh, make Adam Andrew Smith's dreams come true by doing a Happy Gilmore podcast. And if you, if the rest of you want to reach out to us, we would sure appreciate that. Super90sBrothersGmail.com. Email us. Check us out. Reach out. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Compliment Brennan's hair, even though it's under a hat. Sorry. And uh, yeah. So, but, you know, we've got a lot to cover today. So there's really just no, no dicking around. Right, Brennan? No dicking around. Yeah, so, you know, um, 
tell us about the debut of this movie, Brennan. Debut July 1st, 1991, with a budget of $100 million, with a total box office gross of $500 million. That's a half a billion dollars, Adam. Ow. And I feel like in today's world, that's even like, that's, you know, at least a lot more than that. Um, I, don't, I hate when I see people say that. Like, money back then, yeah, it was, it's less than it is now, but I don't even know what the, how to, like, do all those maths. There is a there is something called the time value of money or something like that. You um, can adjust for inflation. I remember doing all these crazy, stupid equations in college that like you would never remember. Yeah. But anyway, um, so how old? So you have a fun drive-in story. About oh my the first time You saw this. So so everyone like set the scene for us, Brennan. Um, and and this can roll right into our favorite segment too. Yeah. So July first, nineteen ninety one. I probably didn't go see this in July. 1st. I probably saw this in like August or something like that. But uh. I had just moved to Spokane, Washington from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, my parents uprooted our family from the Midwest and we flew up here to Spokane for my dad to start a new job. And that summer, I we I hung out with my family a lot. I mean, I'm also like eight years old or seven. I'm like, I'm like seven years old and I'm like hanging out with my parents a lot. And so we're doing whatever my parents want to do. And we went to a drive-in movie, you know, and... You know, I think drive-in movies, so this is wherever they're at, uh, it's always a double feature. So you go and watch a, uh, you go, you see a movie, and then you, there's a movie afterwards. And um, and we went and saw Robin Hood, Princess Thieves, and then Terminator 2. And I do not know which order they were in. All I can tell you is that we didn't leave that movie theater until 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 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 but, uh... I feel like Robin Hood must have played first because that was that would have been a, probably would have been a more kid friendly movie, totally. um, but that movie is not kid friendly either. If you watch if the beginning of it, is like people getting their hands chopped off and stuff like that. But anyways, but they're both like two and a half hour long movies, yeah. and um, but I remember watching wait my dad waking me up in the car to watch T two, and. I let you sleep during Robin Hood. I probably slept through the end of it or to the end of it. I don't know. And then I, I watched probably a good portion of Terminator two with my, my, my parents in the car. We probably had our Evan, Evan wasn't born yet. It was probably me and like Jordan, who was like two years old and he's probably sleeping in the car and my mom's probably sleeping. But I just remember watching this movie as a kid at a drive-in, like not appropriate for a a seven-year-old kid to watch, but you know, you know what? What are you gonna do in 1991 when there's nothing else to do and you just moved to a new town? Yeah, everybody saw this movie. It didn't matter how old you were. This was a cultural event. Um, I remember the first time I saw it. Like my my buddy, when it first came out for video, my buddy Mark, who like lived down the street, he and I had seen it once when I rented it. But the story I remember is my buddy Mark like came over to my house and he was standing like in the doorway and he was sort of like concealing something behind the doorway. And he was like, Hey Adam, you want to hang out today? And I was like, yeah, okay. He was like, I was like, what do you want to do? He was like, oh, I thought I might know what we want to do something like that. Then I'm like, what? And he sort of, sort of like slides his hand at back from behind the door to reveal like a brand new VHS of Terminator two. And it was like, Whoa. And we like sat there and we watched it like twice in a row. It was just, you know, it was, um, but like the coolest thing around, like people couldn't believe how cool it was. Yeah, this movie was amazing. Like the the visual effects of it, uh, that the the story of it. I don't know. There, Arnold Schwarzenegger of it. There, the movie is just like it stands the 
it stands the test of time. I mean, I had I actually didn't watch this movie to prepare for it because like uh, being like kind of a nostalgia uh, show like and wanting to like kind of harken back on like what I remember about it as a kid and then going back and watching it as an adult. I have another um, story of about when I went and saw it in the theater when I was I don't know in the in in the two thousands. I went and saw this theater at the AMC in here in Spokane and. It, I don't know if it was a, a, a director's cut or whatever, but we went and saw it, and the AC was out, and it was a packed movie theater, and Ow. it smelled like ass. Ew! It was awful, and it, as we've mentioned multiple times, and we'll talk about this in a little in a little while, is a uh, it's a two and a half hour movie. It's long, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and that was in the summer too. But I love watching this movie over and over again. Like I've probably seen this movie probably a dozen times over and I I think I watched it a year ago. I think I, I watched it during COVID. Um during the first round of COVID. Um and I love this movie. It's it, it it brings back so many good memories of my childhood and and why I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. So uh are, are we gonna get well, into it Adam? Yeah Brennan you have a lot to say you're gonna have a lot even more to say because Brennan's bad synopsis. Yeah, uh, let's get into it. Let's do the Brennan's bad synopsis. Um, I'm going to give you a really bad synopsis. Basically, so it's 1995, um, and man, this is a tough. It's was just really hard to like start because I don't. I don't even know how the movie starts really. But uh, how does the movie start, Adam? Just tell me that. Get- the robots are like burning. There, there's like a robot war in the future in LA. Oh, so they're like it's it's. In the it's in the future. The movie starts in the future. It shows like the metal robots. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and they're sending back. Is I, I, I can you start the beginning for this? I do not know how the beginning of this movie starts. This is how it goes, though. I mean, you're supposed to suffer. I'm I'm supposed to watch you Anyways, flounder and lose right now. I don't remember if they like they send back uh, the Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is he is he T five hundred technically? <laughs> I think they call him T-800. Or T-800. Um, I don't know. Because I thought the other one was T-2000. He was T-1000. I don't know. There's too many thousands here. Um, and um, so they send him back in time to to go and protect John Connor. They're they're sending their Terminator back to, to protect John Connor. And then the machines, are they send back T-1000 to kill John Connor. Um, which has been the premise of which was the premise of the first movie. They were going, they sent the Terminator to kill Sarah Connor and John Connor, who's she's pregnant with. And now they're, it's, it's come back. They've come back. The machines have come back. They're going to kill John Connor. And then we meet John, a young John Connor, who I I'm guessing must be 11 years old now and, uh, 10 years old. And, He's played by Edward Furlong, and uh, he's a he's a little rascally kid. He's um, I don't really know how to explain him. He's a kind of a he's a dickhead. Um, it's hard to believe that this kid is going to become the resistance leader of of these these humans in the in thirty years or whatever how long it is. Um, and but basically, what happens is there it's a game of cat and mouse for the rest of the movie. Robert Patrick T one thousand chases after or is trying to kill John Connor and, but the big twist, or I don't know if it's a big twist. (laughs) Everyone knows the twist now, but Arnold Schwarzenegger is not actually the Terminator in this movie. He's protecting John Connor. That was a big twist then because in the original movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the, is a bad guy. 
Um, and I listened to a podcast earlier where like they said it was a twist. And so like being a seven, seven year old, we didn't even know what, we didn't even know that that was a thing. We, I, I never seen the Terminator. Had you seen Terminator? Yeah. You had seen Terminator at seven? Yeah. And I remember being really confused that he was the good guy in part two. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and basically throughout the, the movie, they, they, John Connor and Arnold Schwarzenegger, they break out Sarah Connor. She's in an insane, insane asylum. She's basically telling everyone, she's basically the original QAnon. And she's telling everyone, the machines are going to kill us and we need to prepare and all this shit. And then they send her away to, you know, the, I don't want to call it the loony bin. That's what I was going to say, but I said it, but the, she went to, that's where she went. They spring her out and then they go through and they, they go and find Miles Dyson, who is like, he's the, one of the, the programmers or scientists at Cyberdyne, who is going to be a key component of creating the machines and they go and they go and they go to Cyberdyne and they want to destroy the original arm. They're, the arm from the, the Terminator. Like if you don't remember the Terminator, the original movie, they, they, he leaves an arm and now Cyberdyne, not Cyber, yeah, Cyberdyne has it. And that Cyberdyne eventually becomes Skynet. They want to destroy Cyberdyne. They, and then Miles Dyson kills himself. And then T-1000 comes after them still. And, you know, they end up killing T-1000 in a, I've, in a way. And fill in the gaps, Adam. Brennan, I have no idea what you just said. Mm. Like, that. thank God you weren't at the elevator pitch to get this movie made. <laughs> like, you would have been thrown right out the fuck rope. Like, I, I am I no storyteller. I, I need to go. I need to go to Toastmasters and, like, learn how to do storytelling because I am the worst storyteller. In the Everyone world. in this room is now dumber. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. All right. Let me let me just set up just a little bit different way. And that's that there's a there's a little boy who lives in a foster system who's about 10 and he's a little he's a little shithead. Can um, I say that? I said a, that. Yeah, you did. I'm setting it up differently. OK, pipe pipe down over there. And so he's he's a little shithead. And his mom is in an insane asylum because she's predicting the end of the world all the time. That's like all she talks about. And the little boy is going to lead the rebellion against our robot or overlords in the future war to end all wars. So the Terminators in the future send their best Terminator, the newest, latest, most kick-ass model liquid nitrogen Robert Patrick here to fuck his shit up. They're sending him back to like 1995-ish to fuck up John Connor's shit, even though he's like 10, 11 years old. And so the resistance is like, oh no, he's gonna go fuck our shit up. We gotta send back something to help John Connor. And like the best they have is the T-800, I think is what it's called, which is the same model that was that was used to send to kill Sarah Connor in the in seven years ago or in movie world, 1984. And anyway, so they send a T-800 back and reprogram him to protect John Connor from this fucking kick-ass, you know, liquid nitrogen or excuse me, liquid metal T-1000 Robert Patrick. And so the whole movie is a giant chase scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger going through these awesome like guns and explosions and cars and helicopters and motorcycles. And there's 
rocket launchers and mini guns and you know all kinds of machine guns and pistols and t-1000 morphs into shit he like looks at you and he becomes you and then his arms turn into these fucking blades like baraka and mortal kombat 2 and he starts stabbing fools in the fucking eye and you're like holy shit and the movie's creepy and like like dark but also like the best action you've ever seen in your fucking life and it's just all these awesome chase scenes with arnold schwarzenegger the king of action and james Com- cameron the king of movie making and like Sarah Connor, this buff ass, badass chick, James Connor Cameron delivering yet another heroin in an era where there were none. So good, good on him in the most explosive action movie ever, maybe today. And this is 30 years fucking later. We're saying this Terminator 2. Wow. I love it. That, that was a much better version of mine. We may uh, cut yours. Maybe we should just like speed it up. Like do like a like that kind of like that. No, it's not. Trust me, you're already talking fast. Speed is not the problem. <laughs> Clarity. Uh, speed. Um, well, yeah. Well, let's get in the characters of this movie. And let's start with the, the, the titular character. The penultimate character, Adam. He's not penultimate, but he is titular. Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> a.k.a. The Terminator. The Terminator. Yes. He had just got done with, I mean, with this is a, a hit list of movies from in the eighties, from commando to predator running man. Uh, I don't red heat. I've never seen that. Uh, twins total recall kindergarten cop, which was like one of the first movies we ever did on the show. And I think we mentioned last week and then Terminator two judgment day. Um, I always forget that there's a, there is a, it's there's another name to this movie. It's not just Terminator a Two suffix or yeah, whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, what's to say? I mean, like this, he is really Arnold Schwarzenegger is I think is very underrated as an actor because he plays this this character is made for him. But like he's in, in this movie, he's just so you he's so believable as a machine. Like you believe that he is a machine. Well, and, he's a giant Austrian, like, body, you know, Mr. Right, yeah. universe. But, like, he's also just, like, he, the way he, like, delivers lines and the way he... Well, he's German or whatever. So. Austrian. Um, so, you know. Yeah, anyways. I just love... I mean, it's a it's a great... Like, the his relationship with Edward Furlong and John Connor's... I mean, as John Connor's movie is, like... I actually had the thought, if and if you didn't listen to the last episode, I was like, why didn't they just get Edward Furlong to be... The kid in Last Action Hero. That would have been such a mind fuck. Like, like a key, like it's the same character. Uh, anyways, he's been too old. Uh, you're probably right. Um, but yeah, I thought Arnold's great. Like it's just a, it's a, one of the greatest roles of all time. So I mean, we don't need to introduce him. He can introduce himself. He shows up to the world. He goes with his biker gang and he starts taking charge. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> You forgot to say please. So yeah, he shows up, looks this big bad biker dude that matches his. He somehow this dude matches his like size. How was that a fucking thing? Did well, he, he, he he does it with his like. No, his I know, vision. but like, how do you find somebody in a that as big as Arnold? Oh, that's yeah, that's not that's probably not that possible. You'd have to find a really that guy's this guy wasn't really fat or anything. He's just like kind of tall. Yeah. Right. So anyway, Arnold like takes his shit and you've got his look. He's he's got this biker look, this black leather jacket, 
boots, you know, jeans, chains, and black sunglasses. And that's, I mean, it doesn't get, it's, it's, it, it's a look that would live on. Did I don't, so I, I'm very unaware of Terminator. Does he wear sunglasses in the Terminator? Does he steal sunglasses from someone and wear them? He might. I don't specifically remember that, but he might. Okay. Um, Oh yeah, he does because his eye gets fucked up at one point. Oh, and he like wears he it like, like... Co- covers it. I think. Yeah, I um... love Terminator, but anyway. Um. So, but what exactly is the Terminator, Brennan? And Arnold will tell us what that is as well. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. One more time. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. Well, why does he say that so quickly? Probably because it was redubbed. <laughs> um, I'm a cybernetic orb- organism with an endoskeleton. Is that what he said? Something about his metal endoskeleton. <laughs> yeah, he's a cybernetic organism. He's a he's a fucking robot. Um, so yeah, he's the he's the her- the hero. He's the big badass that is somehow not even the biggest baddest mo- most monstrous thing in this universe. Which is kind of what makes this movie so unique. Is as cool and as Amazing is he in? He's like nothing compared to this monster that he's up against, mm. the T one thousand, and um, he has to. He's got this thing where like the more he's around humans, the more he learns, and so he goes from like machine to machine who understands people, you know. In the end, and we he's got this sort of unique arc for a machine character. Yeah, you know it's it's great how he like goes from like. Because, like, the one thing that, and we'll, I guess, well, let's get to John Connor. John Connor played by Edward Furlong, um, who, you know, if for those Pet Cemetery 2, American History X, which he's, which he's amazing in, um, Detroit, Rock City, and then uh, Pecker. I've never, I've only watched the beginning of Pecker. Um, it's okay. It's not a fun, it's not a bad movie. It's an indie. Um, he's like the, John, like, uh, Edward Furlong's like the king of indies. That's, uh, I guess that's fair. Um he he's a, he's a really like he plays a really good smart kid in this movie like everything that he does in this movie is kind of setting him up to be the the leader of the resistance like they do a lot of things in this in this movie where they're like they're setting up the show that he's like he can be the leader of the resistance the problem in real life is that Edward Furlong never never grows up. He still looks the same as he does today. Like I could never imagine Edward Furlong ever leading people. Um, you know how he got this role? He was hanging out at the Pasadena Boys Club, and the woman who was the casting director for Terminator Two like spotted him and like liked his look and asked him to audition and then sort of like cast him. Like it was like that kind of random fucking thing that changed his life. Like he wasn't even like auditioning. Like she like saw him. Wow. Um, it was it was just one of those things. Um, and then on set, he famously at age 13 hooked up with his onset tutor who was 26 years old. Ow. And uh dated proceeded to date her for seven years. No, wait a minute. That that's he hooked up on set of Terminator 2? He met his tutor and they allegedly hooked up on set, or but you know, in the trailer, what have you. That's so creepy. Yeah, it's a little creepy, but you know, when you're a 13 year old boy and you've got a 26 year old girl that likes you like that, I mean, you know, you know how I feel about these things. It, it's a victimless crime. Weird. That's inter- that's very weird. It's a victimless crime. Um, 
I'm sure Edward Furlong might have something different to say about that today. <laughs> um, no, <Nope>, victimless. <laughs> but anyways, what I was getting at is that Edward Furlong and Arnold Schwarzenegger's like chemistry in this movie is amazing. Like Edward Furlong has to like teach the Terminator how to be a human because there's in the beginning of the movie, like the Terminator just wants to kill everyone. Like, and he's like, you can't do that. You can't just kill people. And like, so basically he is just training the machine to be human or somewhat human. Didn't Danny Manigan in last action hero say the line, you teach me to be vulnerable. I'll teach you to be brave. He did. Wow. That's a, that's a throwback. Um, uh, it's the same shit. Yeah. Um, well, but I didn't realize this, Adam, but um, John Connor, sorry, Edward Furlong had a singing career in 1992 as well. Yeah, which is, I mean, he, he wasn't was doing puberty, right? So, like, his voice is literally changing on set. And, like, I was reading about how they had to redub a bunch of his lines in, in ADR, in post, and they had to make him stand in holes sometimes to hide his his height growth by the end of shooting so his voice is going crazy but his voice was doing something right because he became a singer at that time like he was in one of those like teenage heartthrob magazines with like Corey feldman and Corey hame and that shit do you remember those yeah was he part of that group um yeah totally i remember him being on those magazines where like smiling little hearts i remember like yeah. my sister and like my friend Kip's sister, and they were reading those stupid things, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and whoever else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we found out that Edward Furlong was a singer and that his music is still popular in some circles of Japanese women. Oh. awful that is like nails on chalkboard yeah it's it it sounds like somebody's trying to do something really cheesy like it sounds like it's trying to be corny like it sounds like something the simpsons would do to be funny during one of their fake montages <laughs> um the one thing i want to ask ask you about john connor and about you know in the casting what else which i didn't really get into in this movie at all is is there is there a world where Leonardo DiCaprio plays this part instead. Like, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, he's about that age. Like, he's about that so. age, and like, he, and then like, obviously, Leo goes on to be in Titanic, which is also directed by James Cameron. And like, I just feel like, are we are we missing a better version of the Terminator Two with Leonardo DiCaprio instead? I don't know. Um you don't you don't ever hear people complain about Edward Furlong's performance, though at times it's not that good. Right. Um, you know, he's a kid. Nobody talks too much shit about kid actors except guys like me who criticize everything. <laughs> so, so, you know, but yeah, he, he could have been a little better, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, who cares? Like, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Nobody's there to see the kid. Yeah, but I would say, like, the screen time is, like, almost the same so like it it could have could have done the movie well to have a a better younger actor there's times where i just like there are times where i find edward furlong to be kind of annoying in this movie yeah he's he's not always great but um you know who is great in this movie is robert patrick as 
the central antagonist T-1000, a.k.a. the other Terminator, for lack of a better word. He's there to terminate John Connor. And um, this was Robert Patrick's, like, breakout role. Um, and he was just so fucking creepy. He had this, like, sort of silence and, like, wholesomeness wholesomeness with like seedy evil behind his eyes like you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah his performance is so good it's so like slick and like just just very devilish and there's all these cool scenes like i said earlier where he's like morphing into other people and killing them and he's really creepy in those scenes and those mm-hmm. you know there's just this there's this occasional horror element to this movie even though it's like this kick-ass action movie there's this occasional horror where there's this fucking amazing monster just like killing fools left and right just really fucking creepy shit robert patrick is really good he went on to do like fire in the sky which is a really good alien movie copland is like a really awesome action like sort excuse me stallone movie that Mm -hmm. nobody ever talks about copland's really good he was in the faculty and then he eventually replaced um Molder in the X Files. What? A, a, really? Agent, yeah, he became well, not replaced, replaced, but he he became a new agent on the show. Agent oh, Dogget. gotcha. He's also in this really. I really liked him in this movie. Was with uh Jake Gillen, Gyllenhaal is uh October Sky. He plays the plays a terrible dad in it. Um. Oh, and he's also in Walk the Line. <laughs> oh, he is. He's a dad in Walk the Line. Um, oh, I like October Sky. October Sky's good. Um, yeah, he's a good... I mean, it's an interesting role. Like, it's just... He doesn't have many lines. He's mostly a cop that just chases after people. The one thing that is, I think, is really, like, underutilized in this movie is the fact that he can change into whatever he is. And, obviously, they wanted to keep him as an... They wanted to keep Robert Patrick as... Not have, like, 50 different actors play this character because that would be hard to follow. But, like they could have done that. Like they could have made this character like be yeah. more like this changed that him as a person, like constantly. Um, but like Robert Patrick's great in it. Um, He's good. And then Linda Hamilton plays Sarah Connor. Um, the only other real main actress to know. And she's, she's really good in this movie too. She's, she's buffed out as fuck. Like she looks just awesome. Like she kick anybody's ass in the movie. And she has this really like, interesting role where she's she's been institutionalized and she knows into the world is coming and she's it's like sort of driven her crazy because she's obsessed with it and she wants to use that information to help john but she doesn't use it quite right and anyway she's got all this like bitterness about her because like guys have left her and like the terminator becomes like her, her boyfriend figure kind of it's just it's really an interesting story about this broken family mm-hmm. who like all like fall in together yeah it's a and her, her, I mean, her performance in this movie is amazing for one, because like, you got to think about like in the Terminator, Linda Hamilton plays the, the, I won't say the vixen, but the, she's the one that's being chased. Like she's like the victim, the victim. There we go. Um, and she's very weak in that movie. And then in this movie, she's the opposite of weak. She is like super freaking strong. They introduce her in the movie as like doing like lift, doing like, chin-ups on on her bed like like they flip she flips over her bed and she's just a badass in this movie and um apparently she lost some a certain amount of weight but she like trained for three months to like become super super muscular and like this really like a, a kill like a, a killing machine 
good it looks good you know you know you always see these like bad action movies where they cast like pretty girls to do roles like that and it doesn't look good like the movement looks really stupid especially the action scenes it doesn't Mm. look real and that's certainly not the problem like it always looked like holy shit she just hit that dude with a fucking nightstick you know what i mean Mm, yeah it always looked good good because that dude fucking licking her face earlier which is creepy and she was fucking Uh, and she was crazy in this movie too like i mean she could tell that she was like yeah it was good she was affected by what happened in in terminator um, so she, so she was on the Beauty and the Beast TV show, which my sister used to watch with Ron Perlman as the Beast, and um, she did like everything Terminator, and then she was in the movie Dante's Peak, which I've seen a bunch, and I like that movie though. I don't particularly feel like she's very good in that movie, just because she's the damsel in distress and it doesn't work. She's Sarah Connor. She doesn't need help. She needs to be saving Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> right? Um, so. Anyway, so I wouldn't say that her acting career has has been overly fruitful outside of Terminator, but shit, that's enough, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like she did this movie, and then she, yeah, she did Dante's Peak, and she did a handful of other things in the in not in the nineties, not that much, uh, but she ended up reprising her role in like two thousand nineteen as Lynn, as Sarah Connor, and and I never saw I never saw Terminator Dark Dark Fate, so. Uh, I, I might want to check it out. I don't know. Yeah, I gave up on the Terminator movies after the Christian Bale one. Oh. But but anyway, yeah, um, now it's done. time for one of our favorite recurring segments, Brennan. Oh, yeah. It's the Tunes of the Time. Oh, yeah. Tunes of the Time. Yeah. This is where we play the number one song in America at the time this movie was released. This is Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. And I'm just going to preface this. I'm going to give you a little bit of acting from... Uh, from a mysterious actor and Paul Abdul. Here we go. Can I ask you something? Have you ever been in love? If I was, I didn't know it. And you? No. Isn't that terrible? Terrible. No. It just reminds you that we're all alone, that's all. Well, there you have it. Um, Rush Rush by Paul Abdul with a special appearance by one of my favorite actors of all time, Keanu Reeves. Ow. <laughs> I am so sick of these bad, like, love music R&B number one songs. That's all we ever do. You're the one who want to introduce this segment. <laughs> that's that's true. Well, I, I tried to do it to highlight your strengths, buddy. That's fair. Uh, I love this song. I remember watching this video all the time on MTV when I was a kid, and I love Paul Abdul when I was a kid, obviously, like most little boys um, who love R&B. And, uh, but I remember, I, I remember this video as a child, like watching it and being affected by it. And just, it, the video is very weird because it's just like, it's, like a story about like Keanu, like this Keanu Reeves is chasing after Paul Abdul, who's like boyfriend is in a gang. And yeah, um, there's like drag racing yeah. and the gang leader who's dating Paul Abdul challenges Keanu and they go on a drag race. And then Keanu jumps out of his car and then both cars and the gang leader both die. 
And so what can't, does that mean Keanu wins or loses the drag race? Like he lost the chicken race, right? Yeah. He, he, when the other guy just, he, he went off the edge. He'd killed himself. Yeah. Why, yeah. why would you do that? Why wouldn't you stop? I don't know. Like, how do you win? How is that winning anyway? And then Paula Abdul is like, wow, my boyfriend just drove off the cliff. Guess I'll sleep with you, Keanu. So that's what they go do. <laughs> it's great message to kids. It is. And uh, Keanu is just fucking awful in the video. Like he, there was this time in the late 80s, early 90s where Keanu was was just a, a, a bit of a joke when it came to yeah. like acting. Like it was just a joke. Everything he said and did just seemed so bad. Yeah. There's a point where he was Keanu was like in a heartthrob, like more of a heartthrob, and he played these really like breathy roles. And then he kind of got out of that once he did the Matrix. And then he had a bunch of personal stuff happen to him, which changed his life completely. Uh yeah, this, this I like the song. This video's effing weird. Um, this video, this video's weird. I don't think the song's this good, but it has 23 million views on the official YouTube video, so people yeah. are watching it. Um, um, but anyway, so you know, I, what else is on is is what what's on my mind, and um, you know, at the same time, this this song was playing on our radios. What else was in the theater? We like to take a look at what else was in the theater at this exact time in July 1991. This is our movie snack pack. Where's my snack pack? You've got a banana. You don't need. Yeah. It. Why don't you start us, Adam? What what was in what was in the theater this time? So speaking of Keanu Reeves' terrible, terrible acting that's, that's vomit inducing, right in the theater at the same time as our movie today was Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to the popular Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which came out um, maybe a year earlier. So everyone loves the first movie. This movie's not good. Yeah, the uh, Bill and Ted Two was, yeah. I I never I've seen it like twice maybe. It's and weird. It's got some weird. It's got some kind of cool stuff in Hell with William Sadler playing like Death. Yeah, that's that's not so bad. But the rest of it is fucking lame and weird. There's all this weird stuff with like robots and like these weird little furry like gremlin dudes. I don't even fucking know. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a. It's not a, I would never say go watch it again. And that's why we do these is because we're never going to watch, we're never going to cover these on our, on our, we might do Bill and Ted's Excellent Journey. I feel like that can fall in the 90s just because even though it came out in 89, I know we like to dip excellent into the adventure, but yes. What did I call it? You said Excellent Journey. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent adventure. Thank so you. what What else was in theater, Brennan? I think we might do this movie sometime, but my movie is... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I mentioned earlier, it is one of my favorite Kevin Costner movies of all time. Oh, I love it so much. It's such an epic movie. Shit. Like, it's such a, oh, it's so much fun. Famously, Kevin Costner could not do an English accent, so they just said, fuck it. He's just going to do, do his accent. And I think he kind of does some, like, gives a little bit of, like, Englishness to it. But, like, it's I, shit. but it's like, Morgan Freeman, it's great. I love it. It's a it's a fun. Oh, um, Christian Slater's in it. Mm. Shit has a good Brian Adam Adam song tied into it. Um, Shit. So, anyways, Robin, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. What else you got, Adam? Double Impact, starring Jean Claude Van Damme and Jean Claude Van Damme. I remember that being the tagline on the the trailer. And uh, this movie, this movie was in my library. I own Double Impact growing up on a vhs that are recorded off of like a crappy fucking tbs or something so it had commercials and i still watch the fucking thing all the time it's not a good movie i don't know why i watched it there's a bunch of bad like fight scenes in it and i used to just 
I don't know. I, I'm not sure how it happened, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was always my number one action star when I was a kid. Jean-Claude Van Damme was like my number two. I like watched all of his movies. Mm. I loved like fight versus movies. I don't know. I got one for you, Adam, that's not on the list. Um, right. And that came out in the same summer. And so I don't, the, the, you might not have been able to go see this theater in this theater at the same time, but I, I believe you could have. The Rocketeer, um, Walt Disney movie. It was Billy Campbell as the like, Rocketeer, and then but gen, like a young, young Jennifer Connelly, and I would, totally, I would totally do this movie. And it wasn't out this month; it must have came out the month prior or the month after. But I think it probably is still in the theater. Um, that's I guess that that might be the difference. But Alan Arkin's in it, Timothy Dalton, and it sounds like Adam might want to do it someday. So I won't. I love the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer's great. Um, um, okay, so back to our back to Terminator Two. So what are some of our favorite scenes um, in the movie, Brennan? Well, I mean, my you the my favorite one of my favorite scenes is the semi truck in L.A. River. We talked about the L.A. River in the last show because there's a, a scene in it where Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the chase in last session last action hero. Here he is again, or originally here, uh, doing an amazing chase. And uh, th- the one thing about this chase scene, it has the craziest chase music here's a here's a little clip of it that is so intense i i've watched this movie over like over and over again that entire scene from the from the mall to the getting on the bike to the, I, I don't remember what the final outcome is obviously they get away from him uh but it's so fucking intense like, yeah, that's like the first chase scene. Or that's the first great action scene in that movie where you're watching it. And you're like, holy shit, this is like some of the best action I've ever seen in my life. Like the way the music is, the way it was shot, the way the guns are working, the way they're maneuvering the vehicles in this tight space, the way that it was filmed so that it doesn't look cheesy. It all looked real. Yeah. It was just fucking amazing. Like James Cameron's just the best. Yeah. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger famously uses a shotgun in the scene on the bike where he like keeps on flipping it. And like he practiced that a lot apparently, but he also apparently hit Edward Furlong in the head and, (laughs) (laughs) and gave him like a mild concussion. (laughs) Oh no. So yeah, he's like twirling the shotgun to reload it. I've never quite understood how that works, but I've always wanted to be able to do it. Um, But yeah, that scenes, that scene is amazing. Uh, What else you got, Adam? Um, the next scene that I that I think is really awesome is well, we talked about it at the beginning. They're they're showing these like future robot wars, and there's all these like fucking T one thousand exoskeletons walking around with these lasers, and there's like these giant Wally robots with these big you know giant laser mini cannons like shooting like uh, the resistance left and right, and they're you know uh, the dudes from the resistance are walking through and like throwing dynamite and shit at the the terminators and there's all these explosions and la is just a fucking pit like even more so than in reality like it's just it's like run down nasty like ghetto of destruction when there's there's fucking battle You're helicopters ready to do something. i'm sorry i'm really sorry anyway anyway there's just all this amazing shit going on and it's just awesome and um and then it sarah connor tells the story of like the Armageddon that's coming, like the judgment day about how like the nukes are going to go off. Mm -hmm. And there's this really fucking vivid scene of like a playground where Sarah Connor has this vision and she talks about it in her nightmares. And then she is dreaming at one point when they're in Tijuana or whatever. 
of this of this playground of these little kids like playing on this like fucking swing set swing swing set and the fucking nuke goes off and they all get like fucking vaporized and like exploded into little tiny particles and it's just it's it's so disturbing and it fucked me up as a kid yeah that scene that uh i've read things where they talk about like that um nuke scene being like one of the most realistic like nuke scenes in in cinematic history and uh and going back and and watching it it it's true it is really it stays with you like you like especially like this is at like at the very end of like the cold war and uh but like it's still on people's minds and so like that really was like god that's i mean that that could give you some nightmares <laughs> dude i was i wasn't i wasn't afraid of movies really as a kid we've talked about this how i was watching horror movies all the time like i didn't watch terminator 2 nearly as much as i watched all the other Schwarzenegger movies because that scene scared me so fucking much mm. i was a kid who was like really aware of of like sense of self and all that and i was never i was always much more afraid of like global events like i was afraid of like nuclear war and fucking armageddon and shit that would like make time stop and i don't exist like that shit freaked me out as a kid and still kind of does so this scene was maybe you know this scene and the the scene where the girl crawls out of the tv in the ring or like maybe the two scenes in my life that i thought were the fucking creepiest that i remember witnessing yeah it's uh that's that's true. I have two quick ones for you that aren't on the list. I really enjoy the scene where Robert Patrick is finally like shot for the first time, and because he sh- he gets shot and then like he just becomes liquid metal, and then a couple of other things happen. But like the, when it happens, like it's the visual effects in this movie, even taking place in 1991, the visual effects still stand up today. Like they're really good visual effects. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, another scene I like, I love world building or like, um, like stuff in movies, like where you're like kind of talking about where it like pieces together a story of like what the Terminator, the, like the entire story of it is about when they go to Cyberdyne and they show the original Terminator arm and they, and it like kind of all connects like as an adult, like going back and watching like, Oh my God, that is like, they're building a world here for this for this series that could have been amazing had they not have fucked it up. So uh, you like how they tied it back into the first Terminator with the arm and the chip? Right. Well, because, like, like, really, like, what they're getting into in this movie is that, like, they are, like, they, Linda Hamilton is trying to stop the, the Armageddon. And what we learn is that, like, the Armageddon, the what the the rise machines, what you know, is going to happen no matter what. Like we can't stop it. Like the what's in place, what's happening right now, is already gonna already happened once. It's gonna keep. It's gonna happen. Like, and uh, and basically, like they just have to accept their fate. And but like what I I just love all this this world building that they do. And like I really wish they could have kept. Like I wish they could have gone the like Terminator three like and actually done they it. Did. They I can, did I, I wish they could have done it. I wish they could have kept James Cameron. I wish they could have kept James Cameron and made it like five years later instead of ten years later and had you know some of the original cast or change. I don't know what to do with it, but like not be what it was. <laughs> so it was already a sequel. I mean, it was already a sequel. Um. So and then yeah, obviously. Why don't you talk about the ending sequence? That's one of the best parts of the movie. So 
before the big gun blowout sequence, like Linda Hamilton <clears throat> takes Arnold and the kid to like Tijuana to meet up with like these guys she used to hang out with who are all stashing all these illegal guns. And so they pull open this like cavern underneath the sand and there's just all this artillery. It's just everywhere. And they just stock up with a mini gun and grenade launcher. And so then they go to that like Skynet place to try and break in and, and fuck up all their shit and all their research. And all these cops show up from the area and like Arnold is there, like just, just fighting cops with a minigun and a grenade launcher left and right. And there's a police helicopter and T-1000s there. And there is just this amazing sequence of, of gunfire and, and gunplay and explosions that last for like 20 minutes in yeah. this fucking building. It just, it goes on and on and on. The action just doesn't stop. And then they finally leave in like uh and there's this freeway chase scene where T-1000 is in a helicopter chasing after them in like this truck. And the T-1000 like gets his helicopter fucked up because Arnold like slams on the brakes and the helicopter r- jams into the back of his truck, which was the coolest maneuver. And so T-1000 then gets in this fucking semi truck driving liquid nitrogen, chasing Arnold and the kid down in like a, this little tiny like like gardener's truck through the fucking freeway in the middle of the night doing like 90 miles an hour. And there's this, there's this awesome scene where like T1000's truck is riding the ass of the little gardener truck. And Arnold goes, take the wheel. And he like climbs out of the truck and walks up onto the hood of the semi truck, pulls out a machine gun and just starts fucking Robert Patrick <laughs> up like point. Like it's just so cool. I don't know why just him getting out and walking right up to him and fucking him right up. Point blank. It's like the coolest visual. And then obviously they've got this awesome final showdown in like the metal working building or wherever the fuck they are. The liquid nitrogen blows up T1000, which is really cool, but ultimately ineffective. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's creepy. It's dramatic. It's suspenseful. It feels like you can't stop this thing. And yet they figure out some crazy way to stop it. It's just, it's an amazing sequence. Yeah. Um, how does a T1000 die? So he gets, he gets pushed into that, that lava pit, you know, where they're okay. the metal. Yeah. The, where they're making metal that liquid. So he becomes, he, he, so like they, they, he gets froze with liquid nitrogen and that's like becomes also. That doesn't thing. do anything. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. And then they shoot him and he, and then it, he just becomes liquid metal again. So then he goes into the, he goes into the lava pit or then to the liquid metal. Yeah. He's fighting them in like the metal, metal turgy place. And yeah. um, he's in front of that lava pit and Arnold shoots him with a grenade launcher and he, he sort of blows up and he's all like kind of deforming. Like, and then he like falls into the lava pit and just sort of dissolves. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting throwback considering the Terminator, the original Terminator when they're like in the final scene is like, they're in a, like a metal shop. Um, and then they're like, yeah. they're in a more futuristic metal shop in this one. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, those are some, yeah, the, the, this this movie it has a ton of great scenes in it. I love the scenes also when like they're. I like um, montage scenes, and they have a couple of montage scenes in this movie too that are. I you know I'm a sucker for a montage. Dork. <laughs> well, let's get into the this and that. Ugh. Let's get into the this, this and that. The production history of Terminator Two. Um, so yeah, it was written obviously by James Cameron, who did the Terminator franchise. He did the, the sequel to Alien, the movie Aliens. He did Rambo Two. 
did the movie True Lies, Titanic, Dark Angel. He wrote Alita, Battle Angel, which Robert Rodriguez directed a few years ago. He also did the Avatar movies, which like five of them are coming out over the next seven years, allegedly. Who knows? Yeah, and then there was, <laughs> there was another guy that co-wrote the movie named William Wisher, who worked with Cameron on the first Terminator. He And this guy also wrote Judge Dredd and the 13th Warrior. And the 13th Warrior is a really kick-ass movie. I also love the first Terminator. So William Wisher should not be forgotten in this. Mm. And then obviously it was directed by James Cameron, the great one, you know, most people's favorite action director ever. Everyone's like, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of directors all time ever from like everybody's list ever. You know, obviously Terminator, Aliens, Titanic, True Lies, Avatar. I mean, yeah, the only shame is that he hasn't done more. Yeah, I mean, I that's the biggest shame in this. And the, the other shame in this is that he spent fucking 15 years of his life making Avatar, and I'm not even that excited to see these five movies. Um, yeah, Avatar's dorky. But Disney wants to Disney wants to dump money into it, so why not? Um, <laughs> if I could, if I could take back like. If they could not have Avatar and have more better Terminators, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I think everybody. Dude, would. I'd rather have a Titanic two than more Avatar. <laughs> um, anyway, so James Cameron's a great writer. Guys like me aspire to be a fraction of as cool and original as he is. Um, he's known for having this really realistic style about his action, where when he's writing action, he likes to say if it couldn't happen in the real world we're not going to have it happen in our movie which is it blends itself really nice to time like when you go back and watch his shit even from the 80s it doesn't age badly like a lot of 80s action movies did um and uh anyway he was i read this article that said he was high on ecstasy and listening to sting when he came up with the idea of john connor and his character and backstory about being like the leader after the nuclear war and all that and it was just I thought that was funny. Yeah. Funny, funny little anecdote. And then I found this quote from John, Con uh, excuse me, fr from James Cameron about the movie. And he said that we as human beings become terminators. We learn how to have zero compassion, just like T-1000, the cop character. Terminator ultimately isn't about machines. It's about our tendency to become machines. Wow. He probably says in 91 and it means it, it's like, it feels exactly the same as it does today. Do you ever like, do you ever think that Jesus. guys like him that have reached a lot of success and fame? Do you ever think they just start saying shit though? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like that makes I mean that makes sense. Like, I, does it? Well, it makes sense. Like when you think about people today and how they like are on their machines. Is Terminator Two about our tendency to become machines, well, or is that a convenient social message? It's a convenient social message. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got an interesting. I got a really interesting um, this and that about. Um, the production history of this movie. Apparently, Michael Bean was supposed to play T-1000 and he wanted too much money. And they're like, nope, we're just going to go a different way and we'll see you later, Michael Bean. Because like Michael, Michael Bean, Michael Bean plays the hero, Kyle Reese in Terminator Part 1 in 1984. Yeah. And so that, so they were just a, inverted the good and bad guys? Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I wonder what that movie would have been like had Michael Bean, because like I guess the idea would have been that the machine would have looked like they would they were gonna make the machine look like Kyle Reese in the like, and so like they were there were there was a whole thing in it. Um, another thing about the production history of this is that Terminator Two was like more the original idea of what 
um, James Cameron wanted in the original Terminator, but couldn't do that in the early eighties because of like, cause of money, but like, cause of technology as well. And, uh, and I thought that was also interesting. Um, mm. more interesting. Like they wanted to be, they wanted the Kyle Reese character to be a machine. So what else is going on? We're getting the dumb shit about this movie. Let's do it. Dumb shit. Yeah. Um, why don't you start? You love talking about times in movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything other than it's too long. But yeah. like James Cameron movies are too long, like in general. I think if you're going to cut stuff from this movie, you cut the Tijuana stuff, mm. you cut and you cut some of the the Skynet stuff with Miles Dyson and that backstory and that. I think mm. I think the rest you keep. Yeah. I, if you have to cut stuff, that's what I'm cutting. So is a movie two hours and 36 minutes? The director's cuts 236. Oh, I think okay. the theatrical release was 211. Okay, so 211 is not that bad um, no i mean yeah you not many movies are 200 two hours and 36 minutes in, in the movie theater but like i so this is where i kind of differ from you adam i love a movie experience i love going to a movie and i sometimes don't if it's a movie so good i don't want the movie to end and and this is like i had there's only a couple occurrences where i feel like that and they're i mean funny there are a couple of james cameron movies um I love, I mean, I, as much as I talk shit about Avatar earlier, like I love Avatar, like the movie itself as like, an, you're as such an, a loser as an idea. Um, I, you know, I, I love Avengers. <laughs> I loved Avengers in game. I didn't want that movie to ever end. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So like, but there's other movies that like Titanic, Titanic's a good, it's a good example of a, a really long movie that could I like it if it, if don't it was you have, longer. Don't you have anything going on in your life? No. Else to when do? you go into a movie at eight o'clock at night, what does it matter if the movie's thirty minutes longer? I don't want. I want thirty more I'd minutes of sleep. content. I want thirty I'd more minutes. Sleep for thirty minutes. This is why I want to fight for more series movies to be turned into series where they're fifty-six minutes each, instead of being and have seven episodes of fifty-six minutes than having a three-hour movie. Like I don't know what you're talking about, but these these movies are too long. James Cameron movies are too long. True <laughs> Lies is like nine hours long. Mm. I yeah. Anyways, anyway, what other wait, dumb shit you got? I don't really have anything else. Like there's no, nothing else dumb. Um, you said the movie was set in 1995, which I didn't really catch. Uh, I don't think the they movie... ever talk about that. I only said that because like they, I was like looking up like when the movie took place and like, well, th well there's like an issue, right? Like yeah. John Connor is, is older than seven years old. And then yeah. we came out in 1991 and he was supposedly born in 84. So like, there's a, there's a three year gap in there that doesn't really get addressed, but it's not all that important. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I get, yeah. The movie takes place in 1995. And so that would have made John Connor 10 or 11. Um, okay. So I found this quote from James Cameron that I thought I'd share, okay. which I think is a good, good one. He said, the idea that John Connor is this important character in the future. And then I thought, okay, let's have him be 10 years old. What does Jesus think when he's 10 years old and you tell him he's the son of God? Doesn't that mess you up? Doesn't that mess up your mother? That was the thinking there. Once you drop those two elements together, now the last big variable was what do you do with the Terminator? Who is your title character? Was I going to have Arnold play the liquid guy? It didn't feel right. What do I need a T-800 for? What do I need Arnold for? wait a minute, what about if there's more than one of those things up there in the vault someplace? What if they reprogrammed one to be a good guy, a protector? And to me, that's what unlocked the whole story because then it quickly flowed that he becomes the surrogate father in this crazy dysfunctional nuclear family. Nuclear in more than one sense of the word. Mm. 
Well, that's that's sweet of him. He doesn't also mention the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger did not want to play the bad guy in this movie. It was in his contract to not play the bad guy in this movie. So he had to find out a way to make Arnold not the bad guy in Terminator 2. Really? Yeah. That was that was a driving force, you think? Yeah, that was a humongous... Like, think about it. Like, he's been in Twins. He's been in Kindergarten Cop. He's, like, he's been a good guy. He's been... He, he doesn't want to be a bad guy. He's going to be a bad guy in a movie. So that kind of sounds like one of those things where people just say shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there, yeah, there is no way that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be a bad guy in this movie. So this, this episode's running long. Um, I want to quickly, like... Talk about the first Terminator just real quick. If mm. you guys, this movie gets all the love. Everybody talks about Terminator 2. Terminator, the original Terminator, also written and directed by James Cameron, starring, you know, you know, Linda Hamilton and Arnold, is an awesome movie. I mean, I, I mean, it has to be up there as one of the best. It's there are two different movies. Like, I mean, like you said, and I've been I've thought about this, is that Terminator is a is a horror movie. It's a horror, it's like a survival horror movie. Um, this movie's a f- action-packed is an action movie. Like they're two different genres, um, which is, I think is really interesting, which you don't see much in movies that much. Um, I think going back and watch this, like I cannot wait to introduce this movie to my, my kids when they can watch it at a, at an age that it's appropriate because I really think it's a movie that can, it, it, it actually explains the nineties a little bit well to the kids. Cause like, this is like pre cell phones and whatever, but like, it also can be a. It's also still approachable. Like it's you can go back and watch this movie and be like, "This is a good movie." It has CGI, it has practical effects, it has a really good storytelling, and this movie is like a movie that should just be encapsulated for the you know rest of our lives. Never remake this movie, and um, let's let's keep it here forever. I I, I it's amazing. All right, it is amazing. Um, so anyway, you guys, if you think we're amazing, you give us those kick-ass five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. Give us the click the five stars. Share the show with super90sbrothers at gmail.com, at super90sbrothers, at bropomode, adampitzler.com. Reach out to us. We want to inter- interact with you guys. You guys are studs, just like Andrew Smith. Anyway, so for Burden Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another big gun shooting episode of Super 90s Brothers, Terminator 2 style. If you find yourself hunted by a super robot predator from the future, make sure Arnold has your back. Anything to say, Brennan? Hasta la vista. Peace. Baby. And I swear to the star that I'll never make you cry.